Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Today's episode of Sleep Cues is brought to you by Wolino. Makers of the first merino wool sleep bags available in North America, Wolino products keep baby cozy and comfy year-round. No need to worry whether they'll be too hot or cold while sleeping. They'll always be just right. At Wolino, they are passionate about designing innovative, functional, and comfortable sleeping solutions for babies, using the best fibers nature has to offer. They use merino wool because, quite simply, it's the finest and softest wool on the planet. It's exceptionally breathable, it's constantly renewable, so versatile, and altogether unmatched by anything man-made. Wolino cares about all the same things you care about. That's why their products meet the highest quality standards. Everything they produce is made with certified merino wool, and certified organic cotton. And their snaps and zippers are free from nickel, lead, and phthalates. Wolino products keep baby perfectly cozy and comfortable. And that means a good night's sleep for baby, but also for your whole family. Use code SleepQs at Wolino.com for 15% off all Wolino four-season sleep bags until February 7th, 2022. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We are busy. It is such a busy time of year. It is, you know, still January and this is the time of year when I think everyone just decides we need sleep. We got through the end of last year. We made it through the holiday season. Enough is enough. We are exhausted and we need to look at making some changes to get our families some better sleep. So as sleep consultants, we are so busy this time of year. And lots of questions from families, either about just how do we get healthy sleep started? What changes can we make to get longer chunks of sleep for our baby? And just questions about sleep in general and what parents can expect in terms of their little one's sleep. And one of the most common questions that I get is about what we're referring to when we talk about sleep props or sleep crutches, and specifically why we call certain things sleep crutches and not others. So that's what I want to focus on today is sleep props versus what I would call sleep tools. That's what we're going to focus on in today's episode, because there are some items that can be incredibly helpful to your baby's sleep, to grown-up sleep for that matter. And I want to talk about what those are and why they can be so helpful. But then there are other things that can seem helpful at first and then end up causing a big hindrance to some baby's sleep. So let's talk about the difference and what those things are. First of all, if you've never heard me talk about sleep props, You've probably never listened to the podcast if you've never heard me talk about sleep props because I talk about them a lot. Uh, I sometimes refer to them as sleep crutches. But what we're talking about with sleep props or sleep crutches is stuff that does get your baby to go to sleep, but also keeps them from learning how to fall asleep on their own. And if it keeps them from falling asleep on their own, it also keeps them from knowing how to fall back to sleep on their own. So let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about there. When we're talking about a sleep prop, we might be referring to something like when a baby always has to be fed in order to get them to sleep. So they're always fed to sleep. They have to be rocked to get them to sleep. They need to be in bed with a parent to get them to sleep. They need to be bounced 
vigorously but gently on a yoga ball (laughs) in order to go to sleep. And that's something I've heard. I've heard, you know, I need to sway vigorously near the hood fan in the kitchen or with the bathroom fan on in order for my baby to go to sleep. These types of things will get our babies to go to sleep, but then they often become a hindrance because they keep our baby from knowing how to fall asleep independently. With all of that said, let me put this caveat in place. If that stuff works for you and your family, and that's how you like to put your little one to sleep, and it gets your child to sleep easily, or it just works for your family, then don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything that is working well and is healthy and safe and getting great sleep for your family. The issue is when families reach out to us as sleep consultants and say, hey, I'm exhausted. My baby wakes up many multiple times at night. My baby only has really tiny short naps. Here's how I get my baby to sleep. Rocking to sleep, feeding to sleep, replacing a pacifier multiple times to go to sleep. Can you give me some advice on how I could get my baby sleeping longer stretches because I'm exhausted and I want to make some changes? Well, that's where we point out the sleep props or sleep crutches that may be keeping that baby from having better sleeps. And that's where that family might want to make some changes. So let's talk about why sleep props become a hindrance or how they become a hindrance. Imagine that my sleep prop is bouncing my baby to sleep on that yoga ball we talked about. And so it's nap time and I've bounced my baby to sleep in my arms and I've transferred him over to the crib and I tiptoe away. He's still asleep, but about 30 to 45 minutes later, every single nap baby wakes up. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, why can't you have a longer nap? You're still tired. You're grumpy. You're upset. I know you want to go back to sleep. You're still exhausted. I'm exhausted because I barely got time to brush my teeth and have a snack in that time that you were sleeping. So why can't you just have a longer nap? The cat nap is a really good example of what happens with sleep props. That baby has gone into the crib already asleep from having gone to sleep in a parent's arms. And they've gone through one sleep cycle, which is 30 to 45 minutes for a baby. And after that one sleep cycle, they're trying to get into their next sleep cycle, but they're in a light stage of sleep and they're rustling and they're stirring and maybe their eyelids are fluttering a little bit. That baby's eyelids are likely going to pop right open and they're going to say, whoa, 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 just a minute. This isn't where I went to sleep. I was in somebody's arms when I went to sleep. This isn't how I went to sleep. I had a pacifier in my mouth and now it's way over on the other side of the crib and I can't reach it. I don't know how to go to sleep without that stuff. So I also don't know how to go back to sleep without that stuff. And so that's often where parents are running into consistently very short naps and then a baby who's still really cranky and tired after those short naps and also explains multiple nighttime wake-ups. If baby is really dependent on those sleep props in order to get to sleep, they're often waking up multiple times through the night, not knowing how to put themselves back to sleep again. We all wake up multiple times during the night. Babies, grownups, toddlers, we all wake up a little bit multiple times through the night. If we have healthy, independent sleep skills, we will rustle a little bit, stir, maybe make a little noise, roll over and go back to sleep. But for a baby who's really dependent on sleep props to get to sleep, they're not going to be able to just wake up a little, rustle and stir, make a little noise and go back to sleep again. They're going to be fully awake at those night wakes, looking for their sleep prop to put them back to sleep. 
So that's the deal with sleep props, or again, as we sometimes refer to them, sleep crutches. I should really just pick one. It would be less confusing, but I flip-flop. Sleep props, sleep crutches, that's what we're talking about. Stuff that gets your baby to go to sleep, but then often keeps them from learning how to fall asleep on their own, so they have trouble getting back to sleep when they're in a light stage of sleep and wake up. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a sleep prop. So again, if you use all that stuff and you do all that stuff, but it works for your family and you like it and your baby likes it, and sometimes babies will still sleep long stretches, even if they use sleep props, but often they won't. So if you're finding that it is becoming a challenge for your family and you're looking for ways to change your baby's sleep, probably looking at those sleep props and getting rid of them is the place you're going to want to start. And that's what we look at when we talk about sleep coaching is removing the sleep props and teaching your little one how to go into their crib fully awake and fall asleep using just their own sleep skills. Because once they can learn to do that, they're also going to start to learn to go back to sleep using those same independent sleep skills. And that's where you start to see a baby sleeping through the night or waking up a little bit at night, but going back to to sleep on their own very easily. That's where you start to see the longer naps because baby can start to connect their sleep cycles. So that's something to keep in mind about sleep props. It doesn't mean just leaving your baby alone in a crib to cry by themselves until they go to sleep. And we have blog posts and other podcast episodes about sleep coaching techniques and how we make sure that, yes, we're very realistic that taking away those sleep props is likely going to result in protest from your baby because it's a change and they're not used to it. They're not confident or comfortable or familiar with how to go to sleep on their own. But The important thing is having a plan for managing those inevitable tears in a way that your baby's not just left alone for huge extended periods of time with no support. They have support and love and reassurance. They can hear your voice and feel your touch and have a hug if they need a hug. And we put a sleep coaching strategy in place that allows for all of that, but we also are removing the sleep props. So we do help your baby to become comfortable and confident and familiar with a new way of going to sleep And the better they get at it and the more time you give them with that, then the easier sleep becomes and you start getting those big, long, restful chunks of sleep. An important thing to keep in mind about pacifiers in particular is that Health Canada and the American Academy of Pediatrics does point out that a pacifier can reduce the risk of SIDS in newborns. So it is actually recommended that parents use a pacifier. Some babies won't take a pacifier. My own little girl would not take a pacifier. And I work with lots of clients who tell me my baby just wouldn't. I wanted to use a pacifier. She was fussy. I saw other parents managing their baby's fussiness with a pacifier. My baby just wouldn't take it. Lots of my clients tell me their babies wouldn't. But some babies do enjoy a pacifier. And health regulators point out that it can reduce that risk of sudden infant death syndrome. So many parents parents are choosing to use a pacifier in that newborn stage. And certainly you should always take safety into consideration and take those guidelines into consideration. The issue with the pacifier is that eventually many families find that baby has become very reliant on it in order to go to sleep. So they get to a point where they don't want to use the pacifier anymore, but they're not sure how to put baby to sleep without it. It doesn't mean it wasn't worthwhile using it in that first stage in that newborn stage to reduce the risk of SIDS, to manage infant fussiness. But it does mean that at some point it becomes a hindrance for baby sleep for a lot of families. And they want to find a way to now remove the pacifier. And that's another instance where 
If that soother has become a bit of a crutch or a prop, parents are looking to do some version of sleep coaching to help their baby learn to sleep without it because now baby is potentially waking up multiple times at night looking for that sleep crutch because they're dependent on it to sleep, but it's fallen out of their mouth. They're searching the crib. They can't find it. Or even if they do find it, they're really worked up at this point. They don't know how to get back to sleep. So again, That's an important point about pacifiers. It may be very helpful in those early months, but then some parents are looking to make a change at some point, not use the pacifier because they are finding that whenever baby spits it out, they're waking up because it's become that prop or that crutch. So that's sleep props. But what about the other stuff? What about stuff like blackout blinds and blackout curtains and sound machines and sleep bags and loveys? I get so many questions from parents about these items because they're wondering, aren't those similar? Isn't that stuff that my child becomes really dependent on in order to go to sleep and then can't sleep without? And why is that any different than any of the other things you are calling sleep props? Here's why. Making a room super, super dark for a baby to sleep. Giving a baby a sound machine in their room to drown out external sounds. Those things do not put a baby to sleep they help a baby sleep even better. Similarly, those things are not going to make your baby sleep amazingly if they don't have independent sleep skills. But once we put those independent sleep skills in place, or as we put those independent sleep skills in place, that stuff is just going to help out a little bit. Everybody sleeps better when it's dark. Any human being sleeps better when their environment is dark and quiet than when their environment is bright and loud. And so that's why it's so helpful to make the room nice and dark and nice and quiet. Can a baby with independent sleep skills sleep well, even if there are not blackout blinds in the window? They will still likely sleep well through the night. But if there's a blackout blind in the window, they're likely to sleep later into the morning than if there is no blackout blind in the window and it's the middle of August and the sun is already up at 5 a.m. That baby is going to wake up a little bit, stir at 5 a.m., and if there's a blackout blind in the window, they're likely just going to say, you know what, I think I need a little more rest. I'm going to use my independent sleep skills to get myself back to sleep right now. But if there's no blackout blind in the window, they're much more likely to say, hmm, it's really bright outside. I'm fairly well rested. I've been sleeping for 10, 11 hours already. I think I'm up for the day. Because your baby doesn't know to check out the alarm clock, see that it's 5 a.m., and see that it is not time for human beings to be awake yet. So your baby's probably up for the day without that blackout blind. So again, your baby had a good night of sleep, but they're probably up earlier than they would have been if you just helped them out a little bit with that blackout blind. That's why I wouldn't consider something like that a prop. I would consider that a sleep tool. That is a tool to help your already good sleeper sleep even better or have your baby who you are working on sleep skills with sleep even better. Same thing with a sound machine. Can a baby learn to sleep well without a sound machine? Absolutely. You do not have to use a sound machine for your baby to learn to sleep well. But a sound machine can help everybody sleep a little better. If you have a baby who goes to bed around 7 p.m., but an older child who's still awake and making noise at that time, a sound machine can be helpful. We're asking a lot of your baby. We're asking your baby to go to sleep when everybody else in the house is still living their life and making noise. So let's help them out just a little by drowning out those external sounds and allowing them to fall asleep. Will they fall asleep without that sound machine, even if everyone's making noise? Probably, certainly, they have great sleep skills. But will it take them longer? Yeah, probably, because it's loud. Just like if your partner was in the next room 
emptying the dishwasher or listening to the TV on a really loud setting while you're trying to fall asleep, it would take you longer to fall asleep than if your partner is just up and doing something quietly in the house. Same thing in the morning, like we talked about with the blackout blinds, same thing with the sound machine. If your baby has slept all the way through the night without their sound machine and had a decent rest, great. If the garbage truck lumbers down the street at five o'clock in the morning, your baby is likely to wake up and have a tough time getting back to sleep because there's not enough of what we call sleep pressure left at that point of the day. They've had a big long sleep. They could probably use a little more rest, but the garbage truck woke them up and they've decided they're now up for the day. Whereas if we have used a sound machine and we've been able to drown out that garbage truck bumping down the street at five in the morning, your baby might stir a little bit, maybe not at all because they didn't even hear it and just keep on sleeping till more like six or 7 a.m. So once again, the sound machine is not what put them to sleep. That's the difference between sleep props and sleep tools. The sound machine didn't put your baby to sleep the way the rocking did, the bouncing did, the pacifier did. The sound machine just helps your baby sleep that much better, gets them through some more difficult situations like an older sibling having a tantrum downstairs while they're trying to fall asleep or the birds chirping at five o'clock in the morning. Many parents will also ask me about a lovey or a stuffy, a comfort object, a transitional object for their child and why that's not a sleep prop, but for example, a pacifier might be considered a sleep prop. When we're talking about a lovey, There's a reason it's called a transitional object. A lot of parents will decide to give their child some kind of animal head with a blankie attached or sort of medium-sized, soft, safe, stuffed animal to sleep with. Please do note that health regulators like Health Canada and the AAP recommend nothing in your child's crib of this nature under the age of one. But at some point, some parents do decide to offer this to their child and their child becomes very attached to it. I would not say that's a sleep prop either. Again, generally a lovey is not something your child absolutely can't fall asleep without because they don't have the skills to do so. A lovey is just something that provides your child some extra comfort when they're going through a big change. Often parents will introduce it if they're sleep coaching their child because they want to offer them some additional comfort when they're going through a big change and they're removing all of those sleep props that they had in the past, like the rocking, the feeding to sleep, a pacifier. Often parents will introduce a lovey or a transitional object when their child is going to daycare. And that's why we call it a transitional object. Daycare is a very big transition for your child and introducing something a little bit in advance of that, that they find comfort in, that feels like home to them. You can send it to daycare with them or get a duplicate of it and send that to daycare. So they have that little piece of home. So once again, it's going to make them feel more comfortable at daycare. It's not going to be the thing that puts them to sleep. Their own sleep skills are going to be what put them to sleep in that case. But the comfort object can add just that, some comfort. So again, more of a tool than a prop when we're talking about a lovey or a stuffy. The other thing that I would refer to is something that I call sleep cues. Haha, why do you think I named the podcast this? Because I love sleep cues. And what are sleep cues? Well, they're kind of like sleep tools, But these really cue to your child that sleep time is about to come up. Babies and toddlers love routines. They love predictability. They do not love surprises in their scheduling. So anything we can do to help your child understand what's about to come up next, especially when it comes to sleep, can be so helpful. And that's why I love to cue to your child that sleep time is arriving with some elements in their nap time and bedtime routines that do just that cue to them, get them prepared for what's about to come up, which is a nice restful sleep in their crib. 
a bath is a great sleep cue at bedtime. I love a bath as a great sleep cue because it's so different than anything else that happens in your child's day that it really sends a strong signal to them when it happens every night as the first part of their routine that, ooh, this must mean my big long sleep in my crib is coming up soon because I'm in this crazy water thing and that only happens every day right before my big long sleep. So a bath can be a great cue to transition your child from daytime to nighttime. A sleep bag is another great sleep cue. A sleep bag or a sleep sack is something that I like to have a child wear for every nap and every nighttime sleep as long as they are an infant or a young toddler and they are still in a crib. A sleep sack is an excellent way to cue to your child that sleep time is arriving. It's also a wonderful option for keeping your baby cozy because they're not getting too hot or too cold by having blankets kicked off. It's great for safety because it can't go up over their child, your child's head like a blanket can. And so those are great reasons to use a sleep bag, but another great reason for it is because it cues to your child that sleep time is arriving. You only put that sleep bag on at nap time and at bedtime. So when it goes on, your child starts to understand, oh, this thing, this thing means that sleep time is coming up. Great. Now I can mentally prepare for that. I know what's coming up next and I'm a baby. So I love knowing what's coming up next. That makes me feel really good, really safe, really comfy. So that's why I love a sleep bag as a good cue to your child for every nap, every nighttime sleep. A little book at a naptime routine can be a good sleep cue. A lot of parents will say to me, well, does that mean I can't read to my child at any other time of the day? Does that mean they'll be confused if I read to them in the living room, in the middle of their wake window? Can I only read to my child at nap time and bedtime if I want it to be a sleep cue? Absolutely not. But this is where we combine all of the sleep cues so your child really understands. At nap time, we go into your child's room, we put on their sleep bag, we sit down in a chair and read a little book, and your child starts to understand, okay, I'm in this space with this bag sack thing on and this you know, cardboard board book thing is in front of my face and I'm sitting in this chair and my crib's over there. Ah, all of these things mean that sleep time is arriving and your child starts to understand those cues and understand that sleep time is coming up. Same thing with bedtime. I'm in this crazy water thing, i.e. the bath. Now I'm in this bag sack thing, i.e. the sleep bag. Oh, now we're looking at this cardboard thing, i.e. the board books. And now we're going into the crib for the night. So your child has had a chance to prepare for that because the combination of those things that you do in a similar way, in a similar order each night at bedtime cues to them that sleep time is arriving. So that's why I would suggest that things like a bath, a sleep bag, some books during the bedtime routine are not sleep props by any means, but they are wonderful cues, sleep cues for your child that sleep time is arriving and helps them get ready for that. So that is the deal with sleep props versus sleep tools. I hope that helps to explain it because I do get a lot of questions about that. It's a very common question. What's the difference? What would you consider a tool versus a prop? That's what I would call the useful stuff versus sometimes stuff that can be a little bit of a hindrance and get you into some sticky situations with sleep. So if you're experiencing that, I hope today was helpful in sorting all that out and determining what might be best for your individual baby sleep. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. 
Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.